Its glory has never been told. Where the Lamb is the light in the midst of the night, in that beautiful city of gold. Where the sun, where the sun never, sets, never sets, and the leaves never fade, and the righteous forever will shine like the stars in that beautiful city of gold. There will be no more sorrow, pain, sickness, or death, and the saints, they will never grow old. How I long for that city where there never comes a night in that beautiful city of gold. Where the sun, where the sun never, sets, never sets and the leaves never fade and the righteous forever will shine like the stars in that beautiful city of gold. Where the sun, where the sun never, sets, never sets and the leaves never fade and the righteous forever will shine like the stars in that beautiful city of gold. In that beautiful city of gold. Let's see. Let me turn off mic here as well. There we go. All right, we have, uh, again, our annual building fund offering that we take. And uh, someone says, well, what are you talking about? This building looks complete and it looks done. Well, unfortunately, there's always work to be done in a building like this, as well as there's always areas that we're trying to improve and better on. Now, again, uh, the, bar, the building, whoops. Yeah, you better pray about it. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's see, they're getting it. Here we go. It's on March the 22nd, so it's a couple weeks away yet. I just wanted to familiarize you with what's going on, some of the projects and some of the things that we want to do and accomplish as a result of it. Uh, we see Harry Ironside. He, uh, Ironside, he said, no sacrifice should be too great for him who gave himself for us. And boy, we thank the Lord for that. Boy, I just let me say this first and foremost. God has blessed us here at Community Baptist Temple. And boy, I tell you what, we, uh, we, we've always been very careful with our finances, but God's really blessed us through the years and supernaturally provided for us in these projects and the buildings in which we now have. And uh, so as we look at where we are what is going on with our system today? It's really a mess, isn't it? Maybe the Lord doesn't want me to share this with anybody, right? Uh, you start to wonder, because if things are that difficult, maybe we're pushing it, right? Uh, we'll double you up next week. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, so where we are now, okay? Here, first of all, what God has done. He's blessed us around here. A first-class facility. Let's be honest. We are blessed with a beautiful facility. Our adult Bible classes have begun, and boy, they're going well. 
And uh, boy, how'd you like that lesson today on the allegory? The allegory, boy, that was good, wasn't it? And uh, so we see the adult Bible classes. And then also Sunday morning, the buses are now running. Instead of it being in the afternoons like it was for a number of years as a result of our buildings being uh, completed as well as renovated, we're seeing God being able to use things, put us all in the building at the same time. Boy, that's been great having our buses here on Sunday mornings, especially for our workers. And then fellowship space upstairs, you know, uh, for our men's conferences and for many of our church functions, we've been able to go upstairs and open up that whole area as a result of those uh, temporary walls that we have in place, not temporary really, but they're movable walls, and boy, what a wonderful, wonderful facility that God's given us, and many, many options that we have as a result of that. That's not how I wrote it up, but anyway, good's not supposed to be down there because it doesn't, isn't that driving you crazy that's not centered? But anyway, God is so good even though the slide isn't. All right, so nonetheless, the building fund offering for last year. Notice that uh, our building fund offering commitment was 40783 We've collected 54000 We're excited about that. What that means is that there were folks that weren't able to commit at the time that that may have continued to give or just gave. And uh, boy, God's blessed us again. We got some more in, which I'll be honest with you, our project upstairs that we did was running over. We were still in the hole on that project up till just about... I'd say probably last week. So we finally kind of come even with it. We're just a couple thousand short. But by the time we get to our offering, I think we're going to be pretty close. And so that turned out just wonderfully. And uh, just want to commend you. We're just excited about that. Uh, And so that was good. Now, what's left to do? I mean, we got some finishing touches to do, not only around the building. We got got stuff to, to get taken care of. And uh, the first one is our project, our downstairs behind the nurseries. We've got about a 1,300 square foot or maybe a little bit more space down there that, that we want to renovate. We want to really make it look professional. We want to make it look sharp. And you say, why would we want to do that? Well, it provides us with additional space for our Spanish class to join us on this property. We do have a Spanish outreach and ministry. Right now they're meeting in our, uh, on our gr- bus garage property, and they're in the house that's on the property. But let me tell you, God's blessing our ministry over there, and it's growing, and they need some more space. Not only that, but many of them have children, and they bring their children to our nurseries, and then they go over there and uh, have their service and come back here pick up their children. I'm telling you, it, it is going to be wonderful. We've always intended that they be on the same property as all of us. And so we're looking forward to finishing this project so that we can bring our Spanish department and the Spanish ministry over to this building. Also, for small group functions, between 50 and 60 people will be able to utilize that facility. It's all on one level. It's accessible uh, to wheelchair. It's accessible to, uh, for our elderly that cannot do steps. So in the event that we have, say, an activity or some kind of fellowship upstairs, we can have a smaller setting for those who are unable to get up the steps, and then that way they can still have their time of fellowship, be seated, fed, and all the amenities, just like if they were upstairs. And, and someone says, well, that's not perfect, but it's a lot better than what we have now. And that would really help a lot. Can you imagine three or four tables downstairs where folks that can't get up the steps can fellowship and enjoy their company with one another? Right now, they're sitting in a foyer. So honestly, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool that God will give us and help us with. Not only that, but our smaller groups can utilize that facility as well. And so not only that, but before, without the slide up there, let me just explain this. We're going to put a warming kitchen in that facility as well downstairs. That warming kitchen will provide us the opportunity again to, uh, uh, you know, uh, prepare food and ready ourselves for things. It'll help us with things like uh, funeral meals. 
uh, that aren't too big. I mean, if there's a funeral of 100, 150, well, we can't do it downstairs. But it, many of funeral mills are smaller than that. You can do things like that. Maybe there's an activity. Some of, the, uh, some of our young at hearts are gathering together. They can meet down there in that room, and there's places to keep food warm until uh, you know, whoever's doing the lesson gets done. If it's somebody like Brother Cavanaugh, it may take a long time for the lesson. But, but anyway, uh, they would be able to keep the food hot while he's teaching. But anyhow, you understand where I'm going with that. So anyway, funeral meals. And, and then just some classroom space for our conferences and breakout areas and things like that. So that's kind of what we want to try to accomplish with that area. And uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be first class just like the upstairs area is. It, you're going to be proud of it. and It's going to be a lovely facility. Um, so the cost of that is fellowship portion about 37.5, the warming kitchen about 25, and if we put flooring in like we have upstairs, anywhere from eight to ten thousand dollars. So I just rounded it to fifty thousand. That's basically what's going to cost us to accomplish that and to get that job done. Then we have another project. Uh, we, there's a divider that we want to put into the choir practice room. You know the dividers we have upstairs? Well, we want to put a divider in that room as well. You say, why would we do that? Why would we waste $8,500 on a divider, one simple divider? Well, if you'd be up in our adult Bible class spaces right now, you understand that we're pretty tight up there already. This will uh, give us an opportunity to take that class and, and divide that space. It'll give us about two 20 by 20 rooms instead of one 40 by uh, 20 room right now. And so that's basically what it would do. So it would give us an opportunity to put another larger classroom into that space. And uh, we'd have two decent-sized classrooms in that area instead of just one class that's decent size. And so that'll help us some there. You say, that's a lot of money to do that. It is a lot of money. But let me tell you, space is a premium in any building. And let me tell you, I think it's a, a, a tremendous investment. And I think it can be used in a way that would be very helpful for us in the long run. And so this is a, a cause that somebody will come in and do the whole job. This isn't something that we can do ourselves. It's very tedious. It demands a lot of structural issues. Uh, it has to be done a particular way, and we want it done right. We do not want it done falling down around us, you know what I mean? So we're going to have somebody come in and do just like we did upstairs, and it'll be just the same quality. It'll be the same perfection. Uh, and I mean, those are beautiful up there. All right, so anyway, that's project two. Then there's another project. You may have noticed the new doors that we put in as well as the uh, facing that we put onto the door back in the back corner where the bus children come in. And uh, we want to dress up the appearance of our building. We want it to also be fuel efficient. Man, those old doors that we have leave a ton of air in, freeze us out sometimes. And these doors are so much more efficient as well as they're beautiful. And we thought that we would do some more facing. I've had somebody, I've had one person tell me they don't like how those doors look. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you have a, a thousand people, there's going to be people that don't like something. Why'd you say, why'd you bring that up, preacher? I have no idea. But what I do want you to know is that everybody else that I've talked to loves them. And I can't even remember who told me they didn't. I, I, don't even know, I don't even know who told me they didn't. But somebody did tell me, I don't think that matches. And I thought, well, I'm partially colorblind. I think it looks wonderful. So anyway, uh, so we, we want to do more of that around our building. We've got a set of doors. We've got a set of doors on that end. We got a set of doors on that end. We got a door out in the foyer. We've got a door uh, down here on the back corner that needs replaced. We got about four areas that need doors. I'm telling you, those double doors with that facing cost us about seventy-five to eight thousand dollars to get done. You say that's ridiculous. I agree. But anyway, it's just what it is. And we have people that come in. We frame it up. We tear all the old doors out. We frame it up. They come in and slap those new ones on. And boy, I tell you what, it's nice. When they leave, all we have to do is put the facing on, and we're set. And so it's real simple, it's easy, it's clean, 
And boy, it looks, I think it looks like a million bucks. But anyway, it'll dress us up some. It'll make us more uh, uh, cost effective in our utilities and things. I think it's a, a, an investment well worth it in the long run. That's $21,000 for those. You say, well, what do we need then? Well, if we were going to do all three of those, we'd need 76.5. You say, what if we don't get all that? Well, we'll do what we can. You know, we'll do what we can. Um, I'm, I'm determined to get that done in the back for sure. That's going to get done one way or the other if I've got to, you know, uh, put my wife to work or something. But anyway, we'll get that done. I'm not, yeah, I mean, she can sling some drywall. But anyway, so uh, nonetheless, <laughs> we'll get it done, okay? So we're going we're gonna to go after that thing. And so we're looking forward to that getting done. But if we can get some extra funds in, we're going to go those directions and try to get those things done. And if we don't, we're still going to work hard to try to get that stuff done. But we do need some vans we need to purchase. We've got to get a new plow truck. We need to get some parking lot work done. We've got some air conditioning units that need to be replaced. All I'm saying is, is that if you got $200,000, just give it to me. I'll spend every penny. <laughs> but for right now, let's just focus on getting this done, okay? We'll focus on this. We'll take it. Like, I, I love that little show at Christmas time. Put one foot in front of the other. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many, you get, come on now, don't act like you don't watch those shows. Come on now. Okay, maybe you don't. But anyway, that's what we got going here, okay? There's still work to do, and there always is, and we appreciate the faithfulness of God's people. Through the years, it's amazing what God has done with, with this church and, and, and this wonderful congregation. And someone says, well, somebody's got to have a lot of money here. Well, there's nobody with a lot of money, but there's a lot of people with a big heart. And we thank the Lord for your faithfulness. We really do. So the building fund offering will be taken on March 22nd. We do. We ask that you put your name down, the amount that you're making a commitment to. We'll tell you a little bit more about that along the way. If you're visiting with us today, obviously this isn't for you. You just had the opportunity to be here to see what we do around here. It's not high-pressure sales, folks. I'm not going to get up here and pass the plate ten times. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust the Lord with this thing. God's blessed us, and he's used you to do it over, the, over and over and over again. And I know he'll do it again. And so we'll just trust him with whatever he does for us in this case as well. Uh, so anyway, please pray. Uh, and, and like I say, what part you'll play in helping to reach our building fund, uh, you know, whatever that says. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> you pray too, okay? <laughs> all right, we'll both be praying. All of us will be praying, all right? And so that'll be on the 22nd, all right? Oh, thank you very much. And that's the presentation. I'll tell you what, let's all stand and do our course if you're able to stand today. We'll do our course together. Oh, better shut that off. It's amazing what praising can do. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, it's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah, I don't worry when things go wrong. Jesus fills my heart with a song. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah, every time I sing that, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When it says, I don't worry when things go wrong, I start to go, wow, am I lying right now when I'm saying? You know what I mean? I'm, let's be honest, right? That's a tough one, isn't it? 
Now, we'd have the right perspective, and we all know this. If we honestly were of men and women of faith like we ought to be, we wouldn't let things bother us. We'd know that God's in control, and it'll be okay one way or the other. God's going to meet the need. But listen, in this flesh sometimes, we struggle, don't we? We all do. But boy, a course like this reminds us we don't really need to. Let's sing it together. Ready? It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. I don't worry when things go wrong. Jesus fills my heart with the song. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Great singing. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn over to John 15. John chapter 15. So you were the special before the message today. How'd that feel? All right, John chapter 15, verse 5. We've been in our series, and I'll be honest, today is our final message in the series. It's our final message in our series. Now again, our series is based on our our theme for this year, Let's Pray. And so we've been addressing that all uh, the last couple months, really, for the last couple of months. And uh, we begin in John 15, 5, which is how we arrived at our, our theme. But it said, I am the vine, verse 5, and ye are the branches... He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And again, we, we note this element here that he's the vine, we're the branches. And we're very understanding and clear about the idea that, listen, the place of the branch is in the vine. And you sever that branch from the vine, it's going to die. A vine is lifeless. A vine is simply useless and fruitless unless it abides in the vine. And so he ends up telling us then in the passage, he says, for without me, ye can do nothing. Now, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you don't stay connected to me, if you don't abide in me, then you're going to die. You're going to suffer immensely. You're not going to have the nutrients. You're not going to have the, what, what you need to grow. You're going to truly be lifeless without me because without me, ye can do nothing. I am the vine, so you need me. You have to have me if you want to progress and succeed in this thing called the Christian life. And so we kind of came to this idea, we got to thinking, and I thought, wow, without him we can do nothing. Well, how is it that we access God? How is it that we truly invoke his power and his, his, his person in our life? Well, through prayer. And so henceforth we came to this idea, let's pray then. For the year 2020, we want to focus and emphasize prayer because without him we can do nothing. So over the course of our study, we dressed and dealt with the privilege of prayer. And we said prayers are privileged because of who God is and who we are. We know that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the great I Am. I mean, He is, he is so far beyond us and so far above us. He is so great and so wonderful. And yet we are simply sinners. And when we think about what a, the, we think about prayer, what a privilege it is to think about who God is in retrospect to who we are, and he still allows us to come to him with such authority. It's amazing. Prayer is the privilege because of what prayer is and what it does. 
Prayer literally is meeting with God. Prayer is communicating with the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. Wow. Prayer is gaining an audience with God and invoking all the power of God. Boy, we said, boy, what a privilege it is to pray, the privilege of prayer. And then we said, we talked about the power of prayer. And we said, you know, in the world in which we live, there are a number of things that do provide an element of power. Money and possessions, diplomas and degrees, positions and titles, technology and information, organization and machinery. And in, indeed, there's an element of power as we, uh, we possess those things, as we acquire those things. There is an element of power, but although they do provide an element of power, they pale in comparison to the power available at the mercy seat of God. See, the greatest power in the universe is not found on earth, but in heaven. And prayer bridges the gap between heaven and earth. The power of prayer. We talked about the prerequisite of prayer. We addressed it from two directions. First, we said, how to pray is to get what you ask. We said, well, first of all, you better be praying unto God. And don't take it lightly. You need to recognize the reality that you are praying to God. If you're somehow distracted, if you're allowing yourself to kind of wander away as you're praying, if you're not focused on the fact that you've entered into the very presence and the very place of God, that he alone is, he's your audience, that you, you are in an audience with God. If you lose sight of that, then you're probably not going to get what you're asking. We said, not only that, but we need to pray without ceasing. Boy, there needs to be a fervency and an urgency to our prayers. And then we said we ought to and must pray specifically. I mean, how to pray is to get what you ask for. Pray unto God. Pray without ceasing and pray specifically. And then we went to that second portion and we said, well, who can pray is to get what they ask. These are prerequisites, remember, of prayer. We said, well, the truth is, is that those that pray and those that God hears and those ultimately that get what they ask for are those that study the word of God every day of their life to find out what the will of God is and then they do it every single time. That they're allowing themselves to be at God's uh, uh, beck and call, that they truly dig into the scriptures and they recognize what it is that God is asking for and what he demands of them and they want to please God with their life. They want to please God with their lips. That God is saying, listen, uh, the word of God ought to be precious to you because it's what reveals who I am to you. You only get to know me through the word of God. You can make up your own God. You can create your own image of God. But if you want to know who I really am, then you need to read my word. You need to study my word. You need to dig into the word of God. There you'll find me and I'll be described and I'll be explained and you'll know who I am. And then You'll continue to study and dig so that you can understand what pleases me and what doesn't please me. Because if you're pleasing me, I promise you, I'll want to please you. The prerequisites of prayer. Then we talked about the purpose of prayer. We said, well, it was to get to know God. When it's all said and done, really the truth is, God doesn't really even need us to tell him what our prayers are. But boy, I tell you what, what a privilege it is to go into his presence Because in going into his presence, we get to know him in an intimate, personal way. And God says, you know what? The way that I'm going to bless you is by you coming to me, though. 
I may not need to hear every word out of your mouth. I already know your heart. But when you come to me and you pray to me and you depend on me that way, it pleases me and I want to bless you and I want to answer your prayers. And we're going to get to know each other in that intimate setting called prayer. And you know what? We also said that the purpose of prayer is to change us from the inside out. Prayer is really so that our heart changes, our direction changes, our our desires change even so that we as a person change. God can mold us and make us as we're in his presence finally to glorify him. As we said, there are times that our prayers aren't even answered the way we'd like them to be. And sometimes it can be a very sad situation. But God is going to use that in a way to ultimately bring glory to him. Now, if we're upset with God because we feel as though he doesn't have a right to do with us as he pleases, then it creates a lot of conflict in our lives. We can even get bitter toward God and we can get angry at God because he does not fulfill things the way we would. He doesn't complete things the way we would. He doesn't do things the way we would. But when we can allow God to be God and we will just go to him in prayer and beg God and work in, uh, to work in not only in our lives but in the lives of those around us, he'll be glorified. And in the end, he'll give us the peace we need. He'll give us the comfort we need, the strength we need to continue to go through the problem, not just necessarily out of the problem. We talked about the posture of prayer last week. There's so many correct postures. The truth is there's never really a wrong one. Because the Bible says to pray without ceasing. It's kind of impossible to be on your knees 24 hours a day. So God says, listen, I want you praying. I want you praying. So whether we're standing, kneeling, looking upward, or bowing down, we noted that the true posture of prayer is not found in the outward positioning of the body, but instead the position of the heart. A heart that's meek and lowly, a heart that's humble and without pride, a heart that has given itself to Christ, humble before both God and man. That's the posture that God desires in prayer. That's the posture that God will reward. And so to conclude, I want to deal with this last topic of our series, the potential of prayer then. The potential of prayer. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll move on. Father, we come to you. We need you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership today. Speak to us. Work in our lives. Lord, if there be any that are without Christ, may they be saved today. May they know him as Lord and Savior. And Father, for each of us that do know you, may we be more committed than ever to pray and to get into your presence and to commune and fellowship with you, our Creator, our God, our Savior. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. We talk about potential, and I looked up the definition of potential. Here it is, and it's simplistic. Its first definition in Webster's 1828, simply existing in possibility not an act. Existing in possibility, not in act. The definition of potential. Now, think about that again. Existing in possibility, not an act. So potential. Everyone has it to some degree or another. Everyone in the room has potential to some degree or another. Now, that means there's not a person here today that doesn't possess it. Every one of us do. It's existing in possibility, not necessarily an act. See, sadly, most people, to include children of God even, will never truly reach their full potential. I have this phone in my hand right here. This phone right here is, is, is just, you know, one of them iPhones. And, you know, 
Um, this thing has, I'm telling you, it has great potential. I mean, you talk about potential. This has potential. Now, I use it primarily to talk on the phone. I, I, I'll, I'll text. I may send an occasional email. Honestly, that's about what I do with this phone. Still, there are others who blog and post and perform complex tasks on the same phone. I mean, they, some people run businesses from their phone. I mean, they, they, they organize complex schedules. They ship and shop around the world. They use it for multiple things, things beyond me. I, I couldn't even imagine using my phone for those kind of things. I wouldn't even know how to do it. But this phone has the potential to do all of those things. I don't tap into its potential. I don't use it to its full potential. But it has such tremendous potential. The possibilities seem endless if you read some kind of advertisement on it. But honestly, for me, the output is very minuscule. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've said things like, wow, wow. That guy or that gal right there, they have such amazing potential. Only to see it squandered away day by day, month by month, and year by year. Kind of like that phone, right? Not being used to its fullest. Novelist H.G. Wells, you may have heard of him. 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I think that's what he did, unless one of the guys... That's right, that's the one that uh, one of the brothers in my class, Brother Dean, before he left to go to the next class, I'm glad you inherited him. He told me the wrong show, that's what it was, the wrong book. It wasn't 10,000 Leagues on the Sea, that's the one he messed up. Come on, Brother Dean, which was it that he did? War of the Worlds, you know that one. Woo. Is that the one that we messed up on, though? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Okay, see how we've digressed already to our, we've not met our full potential here. So anyway, novelist H.G. Wells, <laughs> War of the Worlds guy, okay? That one we all know for the most part. He held that wealth, notoriety, place, and power are no measures of success whatsoever. The only true measure of success is the ratio between what we might have been and what we have become. And that's something. Let me say that again. He said the only true measure of success is the ratio between what we might have been and what we have become. In other words, what I believe I I am getting from this is simply this. Success comes as a result of growing to our full potential then. He's saying, all right, you may be here and think you're doing very well. But God says, here's your full potential for me. Now, Where you end up on that scale, how close you come to your full potential will determine really how successful you are. See, some people have many more abilities than others. And for them, they may not land here in life, they may land here, but their potential may be all the way over here. And H.G. Wells is saying, listen, you can go ahead and you can have notoriety and wealth and place and power, but I'm telling you, that's not really the measure of true success in your life. The real measure of success is how close you come to reaching your maximum or full potential. Like Gideon... God sees you as you could be and as he intends you to be. But if not careful, we can allow our flesh and the world to derail God's efforts to mold us into that that trophy of grace that he desires us to be. 
when we arrive at the judgment seat of Christ, God will, will we have reached our full potential? When we stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema, will we have be able to look him in the eye and say, I, I, be, I became everything and I did everything I possibly could to be conformed to the image of Christ and reach my full potential? I've used every gift and every ability you gave me to the fullest for your glory. Or will we have left something on the table? I've looked upon people with such high hopes and great expectations due to their potential only at times to sadly be disappointed as they've neglected and wasted that potential. You have too, I'm sure. They either use it for the wrong purpose or they never seek to cultivate it and grow it into something real and concrete. See, remember, the definition of potential is existing in possibility, not in act. Potential represents what could be then, but not necessarily what is. See, between your potential and a dollar bill, you probably can buy a cup of coffee. You know, nobody cares about your potential in the end. When it's all said and done, potential doesn't put food on the table. It doesn't buy clothes for our children. It doesn't provide education for children and families around the world. It doesn't accomplish anything. Potential itself is nothing. It's simply a possibility. Young people, when your parents or or someone else may say things like, hey, you're better than that. Or, I expected more from you. Or, you disappointed me by acting or responding the way you did. You know what they're really saying? You have so much potential and you're capable of so much more than you can imagine. That's what they're really telling you. Your potential's way out here, but your actions are way down here. You're beyond that. You don't, don't live that way because your potential is so great. Put some bones to it, so to speak. Put some meat on the bone. Get going with it. Do something with it. Make it become reality. Right now, it's simply a possibility. They were hoping that it had gone beyond that. Potential. See, it's not a bad thing when someone says that to you. In reality, that should be a good thing because it ought to motivate you to say, obviously somebody sees something in me that I don't. There must be much more opportunity than I even imagine. Some people might say, well, you know what? That kind of expectation on a kid will destroy him. Well, I don't know. I think it's a biblical thing to have expectations on people. Look, if you would, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. You say, what's this have to do with prayer? We'll get there. And then when we get there, it's going to go real fast. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Again, that phrase, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. How much have we been given 
in America. How much have we been allowed to have and, and, and extended to us? Young people, how much has God given you in the families, in the fellowship, in the friendships, and just the opportunities you've had? Adults, all of us around the room, my, the potential is beyond measure, and yet are we living up to the expectation and that potential? Should someone actually hold us to that? Well, yeah, God does for sure. And truthfully, we'd be better off if we allowed others to hold us accountable for that as well. Now, again, most neglect their potential and they settle for far less than God intended. Here's where it is now. This is the case with prayer as well. See, the potential of prayer is limitless. The potential of prayer is limitless. Again, existing in possibility, not in act. See, even though prayer can remove any obstacle, overcome any hardship, triumph over any trouble, and defeat any giant, the fact is that those those outcomes are only its potential. That means that they're, 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 they're only possibilities and not realities until we exercise prayer then. You say, well, I know God answers prayer, and I know God can meet my need, and I know God can deliver me. It's just a possibility. It's just the potential. Because until you pray, it's not reality. It's potential, it's possibility, and it's certainly something God can do. But it won't mean anything unless you exercise it. How powerful is prayer and what is its potential? Think about it. I mean, what do you want from your prayer life? What do you want from God to whom you pray? The possibilities of prayer are, of prayer are endless. But we must exercise its potential in order to see its effects. James 4, 2 says, Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. The potential's there with prayer. But prayer's just a possibility until we really pray. The outcome of prayer is just a possibility, I should say, until we pray. I think about Joshua in the Scriptures. I mean, here's Israel. They had entered into a covenant relationship with Gibeon. Oh, they weren't supposed to. We understand that. But they did instead uh, enter into that without God's approval. They jumped the gun. They got in the flesh. They, they got in a hurry. They couldn't wait on God. And instead of receiving an answer from God, they thought they knew better. They thought that they were wise enough to make this decision. And they entered into a covenant with Gibeon. So Gibeon, they find themselves under attack by four of the nations around about them. And as a result, they're like, hey, wait a second now. We've got this covenant with Israel. Let's get a hold of them. We know how powerful they can be. We know how their God uh, delivers them. Let's get a hold of Joshua and let's get a hold of Israel to come to our aid. And so they do. And in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12, the Bible says, as a result of this battle, it's transpiring and God is giving them the victory. And Joshua stands and he prays and he makes this prayer to God. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in that, the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites from the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. 
and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the Bible tells us, and the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. It says, is not this written in the book of Jezer? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day? Hey, listen, God answered that prayer. You say, that's crazy. Yes, it's crazy. I mean, that's supernatural stuff right there, right? I mean, sun stands still, moon stands still. Don't go anywhere. You keep the light on us because we're doing a good job of destroying the enemy. Give us more time, God. God answered that prayer. Well, that's some potential, isn't it? Elijah, in order to get Ahab the king's attention, Elijah would pray a prayer that would certainly seem outrageous and impossible. Over in the book of James chapter 5, he he sums it all up in verse 17 by saying, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. You say, that's impossible. Exactly. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. You say, I don't believe it. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. But the Bible says that Joshua prayed, and he he said, Lord, let's hold up that rain for three and a half years. He goes, okay. Well, he got the king's attention all right. He got everybody's attention. And we know how that all goes down in the end. We understand where that all leads to in the end. We don't have time to go into it. But the fact is, is that Joshua prayed a prayer. Let me tell you something. Prayer has some tremendous potential, doesn't it? I mean, it can cause the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still. It can cause the rain and and the normal uh, physical activity of this earth to cease and to stop. It's supernatural. Prayer can affect nature even. Why not? I mean, God is the creator. Finally, I think of Peter. We talked about this earlier in our series, but in chapter 12 of the book of Acts, we see that Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I mean, things seemed rather ominous and they seemed rather hopeless for Peter. There he was in that dungeon. He was guarded by 16 soldiers and on each arm he was, he was chained to a soldier specifically. He was slotted to die. He was going to die without a doubt. The handwriting was already on the wall, but the church wouldn't give up. They wouldn't throw in the towel. Instead, they said, you know what? We might not be over to, 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 to have an assault that ultimately opens the gates and takes down all those soldiers and gets him safely uh, whisked away out of their sight and out of their, 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 uh, uh, their person. But what we can do is pray. And if God will deem it possible, if God chooses to allow it, then he can be freed. It's up to God. We're going to pray for Peter. That's all we can do. And they did pray. You know what happened? (laughs) That night, prior to his death, the angel, the Lord, goes around and pokes him in the side and says, Hey, Peter, it's time to go. The chains fell off. And they walked right on past all those guards. Got to believe they were in somewhat of a catatonic state. They were asleep so heavy that they couldn't even wake up. And out the door they went. The gates just come open on their own and there went Peter, free and safe. Let me tell you something. Prayer has tremendous potential, unlimited potential. But just like your potential and mine, it's just a possibility until we exercise it. Prayer defies nature. 
It makes the supernatural normal. The possibilities or the potential of prayer are endless. But as we said, we must exercise it in order for that potential to become reality. Hopefully we won't be like the fisherman who was out at sea with his godless companions when a storm came up and threatened to sink their ship. I mean, his friends, they, they begged him to pray. And they knew that he'd had a background in church. They knew that he grew up in a Christian home. And they said, hey, it's been a, hey, hey, pray. Would you please just pray? I mean, we're in real bad shape here. He said, yeah, but it's been a long time since I've done that or even entered a church. And they kept on him and said, hey, listen, man, we're out of, out of uh, options. Just pray, do something. And he said, oh, Lord, I haven't asked anything of you in 15 years. And if you help us now and you bring us safely to land, I promise I won't bother you again for another 15. I hope we're not like him. Can you imagine the potential he's throwing away? How much prayer potential are we throwing away? You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because ye ask not. Why is our walk with God sometimes a crawl with God? Why the lack of passion for our Savior who gave his all for us? Why the lack of victory over sin in the average Christian's life? Why the lack of power to shake his, this world for Jesus? The words of Billy Sunday seem to ring true. Billy Sunday said, He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. If prayer can do what we see it do in Scripture, and it can, imagine what its potential is in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your city, in your county, in your country, in your world. Prayer is available to all who pray. Potential of prayer is available to all who pray. Prayer, it has potential, it has possibilities, but it, that means nothing if we don't exercise it. Just like you and I have potential, unless we exercise that potential, take full advantage of it, put it to good use, it'll amount to nothing. Prayer will always go unanswered if it's never offered up. Today, if it's power to live the Christian life, if it's power to overcome sin or win souls or raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, if it's just simply to, to live victoriously for Christ, then, then pray. Christian, pray. The potential's there. The possibilities abound. But we must pray. Today, maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. Prayer can unlock the gates of heaven to the sinner. You say, a sinner, I'm a good person. The Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. We've all gone out of the way. We've all become unprofitable. 
Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may be good in the sense that you do good deeds, you do nice things, you're kind, you're considerate, but the problem is, is that God's looking past this out here and he's looking deep down in our hearts. And the truth is, I would bet if I talked to your mother, she could tell me something different about you, how you weren't always obedient, how you might have pushed the envelope at times, how maybe your life wasn't always what it should be. If I would talk to your wife or husband or somebody very close to you, they may say, well, yeah, they're a wonderful person. But then again, every once in a while, I've heard them slip or I've heard them say something or do something. And the truth is, that person or those people might even say, oh, they're perfect. You know, moms are, they may say that. But you know, if you look way deep down in your heart, you know that you've not always measured up to God's perfect standard. See, we're all sinners because we're not equal with God. We're not perfect like he is. Anything less than perfection is not measuring up to God's perfect standard. Therefore, we're all sinners. That's what sin is, not measuring up to his standard. But I'll tell you one thing. Prayer can unlock the gate of heaven to you. I want to go to heaven. I want Jesus Christ in my life. You're going to have to pray then. The potential of prayer is that you go from being a sinner to a saint. The potential of prayer is that you go from being damned to a place called hell to being an heir to heaven itself. I mean, the potential of prayer is beyond your imagination. You can go from being a sinner and bound by your sin and bound by the guilt and shame that it causes to being free indeed in Jesus Christ. The potential of prayer. But potential, I mean, potential. You got to be careful with that potential because it's just existing in possibility. It's possible you could be saved today. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that's only a possibility for it to become reality. You have to exercise Prayer and faith. Will you pray and by faith trust Jesus today as your Savior? If you'll do that, you'll unlock the possibility of prayer and you'll unlock heaven's gates and you'll enter into a relationship and a fellowship with the Lord that only prayer can bring. Get saved today. Exercise the potential of prayer. And if you're a child of God today, what will not be done? What will go undone? Because we don't unlock the potential of prayer in our own personal lives. Let's pray. Because prayer provides us with unlimited potential. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us and all you mean to us and We just pray you'd speak to the heart that's lost and farthest from you. May they just not, Father, bow up and resist your Holy Spirit, but may they just allow your Holy Spirit to work in their life. May may they just say, you know what? I'm surrendering myself to the word of God. I'm going to ask Jesus Christ into my life. I'm going to beg him to forgive me and save me today. I want heaven as my home. I want Christ as my Savior. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would Be with them in that. And Lord, for the believer today, may we unlock the potential of prayer in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, our families, with our children even. 
The possibilities are endless, Lord. But possibilities in and of themselves won't accomplish anything. We need to put them to work. We need to exercise prayer to reach that potential and to realize that potential in reality. Bless us now in this time, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand.